Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Boy, it's cold outside. But this show is not about the weather, I'm sure you're aware. We talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. That's the work that Texas Values has been doing since 2012, rounding out eight years of work. And I must say, we think we've got a nice legacy over the past four legislative sessions. We've been a part of helping pass a religious liberty and a pro-life law at the state legislature. That's where we do the bulk and the majority of our work, but we certainly will get involved at the local issue. And we, you know, really a big part of what we wanna do is provide an arena to talk about the issues of religious liberty, marriage and family, and also life. And oftentimes give you the ability and information to respond or to be involved in that conversation, whether it's at church, whether it's in your neighborhood, in your community, or groups you're a part of, or perhaps at the dinner table, wherever you'd like to have these conversations. Sometimes people aren't aware how to talk about these issues or what's going on. How do I respond if I hear something uh, that I don't agree with or I'm not sure about? And so, and what's good information that you can rely on? That's what we like to do. And a big part of that is this radio show that's been running for four years, the Texas Values Report. And so look, we're heading into the end sort of our calendar year, Thanksgiving's beyond us. And we're gonna be talking a little bit about Christmas in this, um, you know, in this broadcast, because don't forget, there's a great state law. The Merry Christmas law is a state law in the state of Texas passed in 2013, making it clear that students in public schools can talk about the issues of Christmas. They can bring gifts that are themed related to Christmas. Um, employees in public schools can say Merry Christmas to each other. It's not that long of a law, it's about one page, but we've got it all wrapped up for you on MerryChristmasTexas.com. That's the website where we have this information. You can download it, take it to your school district. I don't know how they're doing Christmas parties these years, Maybe you can put up a background, okay, if you're doing virtual, some Christmas themed stuff, but we want to help protect your rights. There's usually some kind of question that comes up these time of year, this time of year, we're here to provide that support. Uh, but we got a great guest today on the Texas Values Report, and that's our good friend, State Representative Matt Krause. For many sessions, he's been there right along with us, fighting, being a voice, being a great representative for the area that he represents up in the Fort Worth area, but also for the state of Texas and possibly the country, being a great voice for the issues of religious liberty, marriage and family and life. He's got his law degree from Liberty University, has worked on some of these cases that deal with these issues, and we're glad that he is a Texas House representative. Representative Krause, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. And I was listening to your intro and it would be the most 2020 thing ever if you had to get involved in a Zoom background uh, Merry Christmas uh, dispute. So uh, I think you're right. That might be heading there, but that, that seems very on brand for 2020. Well, look, and if you think about it, some of the battles that we've had on the Christmas issue were about whether or not you could have red and green plates. Okay. I mean, and so it wouldn't be all that much of a surprise if, you know, you saw people saying, wait a minute, we're not sure about the the virtual background some of these students are using, but that's why we got that great law, MerryChristmasTexas.com. And so, um, and look, those questions come up. We're here to answer them. You've yeah. been a great voice a lot of times, and you've got a good understanding of these issues because of your background of law and policy, uh, but we got to be prepared. And look, we're beyond the elections now. And so you're now in your fifth session coming up, or you're going to enter your fifth term at the state legislature, a lot of important issues. You know, we worked together last session on the First Amendment Defense Act, as we were calling it during the legislative process because of a conflict in San Antonio, the Safe Chick-fil-A law, very important religious liberty laws. You've been a part of the, you know, really protecting life 
that issue, we saw it play out a lot in the elections, a lot of young people getting involved in that. And so, I, um, you know, with an 83-67 split in the Texas House, uh, I think there are going to be a lot of members coming back, seeing that there's a great opportunity to make sure our state law is clear on these type of issues. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. And, and if anything that I took away from November 3rd uh, was that Texas wants a Republican dominated legislature, which means they want Republican policies enacted. And so um, I, I know sometimes we look at it, uh, what's the mandate that's been given? But when you've had $53 million spent in 24 contested House races uh, all over the state, and we netted with the net zero effect, that shows the divisive and dishonest uh uh, campaigns that were run did not take effect. And so I think we need to come back with boldness this session and say, you know what, our, our Republican constituents put us back in to a place to get things done. We can't squander this opportunity. We never know how many more of them we're going to get. So let's take full advantage of the 140 days and get some incredible things done. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we did see that. We saw this, you know, message again, okay, that's going to happen this time. You know, uh, the left saying we're going to turn Texas blue, we're going to redefine all these values and that, you know, really, I saw some candidates that were very pro abortion messaging very strongly on that thinking that that was going to resonate with voters, and they were going to have some success with that. We saw that play out in a big congressional race right Chip Roy in central right. Texas, not really the most conservative area of the state, if you will, but there was a lot of money thrown into that race. And Chip Roy has a very strong pro-life stance. Uh, Wendy Davis is probably really the face of the pro-abortion movement, one of the most recognized candidates. She was a state senator. She lost against Abbott. She ran against uh, Chip Roy with a very pro-abortion position and campaign, and she lost. And, and a lot of other candidates like that lost. And so you're right. Coming back, there wasn't, I mean, the, the Republican keeps their majority and at the same number, 8367, there's some new candidates, some people that didn't come back to office resulted in some new Republicans that some could consider, you know, a little bit stronger on some of these issues. Yeah, in fact, I've seen this argument made on both sides of the aisle. We're coming back with the same amount of Republicans, but it's actually a more conservative house. And so uh, you think about what we've been able to do last uh, couple of sessions. I think we might be able to be able to make more headway this session, which is good. Um, and, and you always want to make sure that when you look at the election results, you're responding to those as well. And, and we were sent a clear, clear, loud message. Republican principles are what we want here in Texas. And so we need to deliver for the good folks who put us back in office. Well, look, Republican voters, Republican activists, they did send a message earlier this year. There was a Republican Party of Texas um, held a convention. There was a vote for 5,000 delegates. They came up with eight legislative priorities, things that they wanted legislators to focus on and get passed and send to Governor Abbott. Not all of them specifically say that it's a law that says this, but uh, many of them with some specificity related. And three of the top four are things that we work on uh, primarily, and that's religious liberty, that's pro-life, that's issues related to uh, protecting parental rights on very important issues that could relate to uh, medical procedures and things of that. So at least some good idea there, some things to start from. And you know, the other thing too, when you look at the legislature coming back, the attacks are all around us. You know, even though the elections went well, you've got people at the local government level that continue to overstep their authority. I mean, just recently, the Supreme Court has had to step in twice just to make sure that churches are treated at the same level as bars and liquor stores. I mean, that's, right. that's where we are. And I think going into the session, it's a check on looking for a check on local government and particularly on the work that we do, making it clear that, hey, churches are essential. I mean, and if we got to put it in law, then that's what we'll do. 
That's right. And, and, and you're right on that. And, and that's why uh, one of those eight top priorities did not include executive uh, power reform, which we've seen at the local level um, be abused uh, since March. And so um, <clears throat> I think there's issues like that, even though they might not be on the eight top priorities for the RPT, are issues that the legislature and I think me and many of my colleagues look at as uh, very important issues that, that we're going to be tackling. Uh, but as you said, uh, pro-life bills, religious liberty bills, uh, those are always going to be at the forefront of what we're trying Trying to do. And so uh, I look forward to working with my colleagues on those this session uh, to get those things done. Well, look, I mean, we're not that far away. Okay. We're uh, probably no. about a little four weeks or so from the legislative session starting January 12th, I believe is the first official day. That's not it. that a lot of things happen on the first day, right? I mean, things happen, right? You take a vote for a speaker, right? I think that, you know, but there's a lot of receptions and all that kind of stuff. So bills are already being filed. I mean, so there's already activity happening I don't know what it's going to look like. We won't even tackle that subject uh, today on what the rules are going to be like, but they are important. So you need to be talking to your state representatives and Senate members if you care about having access to the Capitol. And we certainly do. Our office is two blocks from there. I think it should be wide open. You can take precautions without having to shut people out of the process. But I want to focus, though, on, look, there's a big meeting this weekend, the Republican caucuses meeting. And it's my understanding, too, well, there's probably a number of things that are going to happen, but probably one of the things that's going to be watched a lot is that the caucus is going to come together and officially, if you will, uh, say the, who they're going to select and who they want to move forward as a speaker representative. I know a lot's been made of that. I mean, I think it's very clear that uh, Dade Phelan, the presumptive speaker, if you want to call him that, that Republicans are, are settled on that. But there's another issue that's coming up, and that's um, who's going to be in charge of the caucus. I see you've put your hat in the ring to be the chair of the Republican caucus for the Texas House. That's right. That's right. And it kind of all feeds into the reason we, what we've been talking about is that we did have such a strong mandate after November. I think we need to have somebody as the caucus chair who's going to aggressively push Republican priorities during session um, and not only push those, but make sure they get pushed early. I mean, you and I have witnessed time and again, uh, in, not, not necessarily intentionally, but uh, our priority bills or the bills that you and I have been working on all session don't make it to the end because the clock runs out. And so uh, I, I, I want to uh, be caucus chair and make sure we're working on those to by early April, maybe mid-April. We've had all those priority bills that, that we've decided upon on the House floor. And so if a point of order is called, it doesn't kill the bill. It just gives us, you and I witnessed, uh, even if a point of order is killed, uh, we, we, we can still work fast. But um, if a point of order or we don't run out the clock, so I think we don't not only have to be intentional about trying to pass those priorities, but pass them in a timely manner. And I think we need to be in co uh, regular communication with the grassroots as well. Um, I think that's a, an important function of, of the caucus chair to have that dialogue where, where we're at, where we need help, uh, where they uh, where, where they're seeing some uh, lack of energy and, and motion there. And so, uh, yeah, I'm running for uh, the caucus chair position. Um, I, I think it's important that we help all 83 members uh, have some successes uh, to come back with at the end of session and, uh, and, and to help those folks and advocate for them. If, if you're one of those 83 who helps us pass a heartbeat bill, election integrity, executive power reforms, we're going to be championing you uh, when uh, you're up for re-election. And so uh, that, that's why I'm running. I'm looking forward to doing that, but taking off on one of your 
your earlier points, we do need to have the Capitol open. Uh, teachers are going into the classroom. Doctors and nurses are going into the hospital. Uh, grocery store workers who have not stopped uh, been going to work every day. Uh, yeah. We need to be doing the work of the people in the house of the people with the people there. And so uh, I've, I've been advocating for that for months. We'll continue to do so because um, we can't shut that process out. And uh, if, if anybody's going to be allowed in, it should be the people. And that's who we need to hear from. And that's who needs to be a part of that process. That's exactly right. Look, we're talking with State Representative Matt Krause. He's a Texas House member from the Fort Worth area. I believe Cowboy Stadium is in his district. My yes. kids will be thankful that I threw in a mention of their beloved Dallas Cowboys. I'm originally from Houston, so I'm sort of on board. You know, I went to, I took the kids to a game there a couple of years ago. So that's right. Uh, you know, that's anytime right. I get a chance to watch some, some football, I, um, I appreciate that. But, you know, you made some great points about the, the Capitol being open. We've been a part of legislative testimony for the most part of this year. Almost all of it has been virtual, if not all of it. And there are always glitches. Someone gets mm. cut off. An internet is down or, oh, there was a technology issue, whatever. It's, uh, it happens. And sometimes you hope that it's not intentional. But we're talking about some of the most important work. It's only every two years. And the people are part of the process. As I say a lot, and I've heard for many years, government belongs to those who show up. And that in-person process is so important. And, and, and to your point, if we've been able to safely uh, have kids go to school, the supermarket every week, you know, HEB, Walmart, whatever, surely we can find a way to safely make sure we safeguard one of the most important processes, but still go through with it uh, in the way that it's always done, in the way that it works best. It's great that we have that type of capital and process where people can be there, they can testify, they can have their voices heard. But a lot of people may not realize this process we're talking with State Representative Matt Kraus, the caucus chair. So talk to us just for a minute about what that means and kind of the function and, and how that matters to the legislative process overall. Yeah, you know, uh, the caucus chair is kind of the equivalent of, uh, I would say, Kevin McCarthy up at the national stage, who's the GOP majority leader. And, and uh, that person is responsible for kind of getting everybody on the same page, make sure you're working uh, in tandem uh, or in 80 thirds uh, towards uh, the policy goals that you want to see happen. And so uh, I think it's important that the, the caucus chair kind of messages regularly with the members and those outside uh, of the chamber on what we're trying to do. And then you're constantly working with those members to say, hey, we've got House Bill 643, the heartbeat bill coming up, whatever it is. Where's everybody? Are we on this? Are, are we good to go? You know, things like that. And so you're constantly trying to get everybody on the same page to pass policies and really push those during session. And then after session, making sure that you go around advocating, supporting, and uh, tell the membership how uh, well that the members did, telling their constituents, if, if, if they helped, you know, uh, they, they've got to be a part of that process and got to be a contributing member to making sure those priorities did pass. But if they do that, they deserve uh, for their constituents to know how hard they work. So there's an internal and an external function to that. Well, um, and, and, and I would love to do both. And Representative Krause, so as my understanding, this is a caucus vote that Republicans vote on, and they're going to yes. be voted on it this weekend. That's right. Right. And so, and look, I, um, we've worked together on many different issues, but yeah, last session, we saw that happen, right? We saw a bill that came up late and, you know, I mean, a lot of people thought it was over, right? The First Amendment Defense Act, the Safe Chick-fil-A bill, uh, point of order. I mean, we, we can argue about whether or not it was valid or not, but the reality is it happened and that could have been the end of that bill. And, and a part of why people thought it was the end because it was so late in the session, there That's wasn't right. any time for that bill to kind of get corrected or, or to deal with the process to put it back up for a vote. Now, I will see this also speaks to your ability to lead that somehow miraculously within 11 days, 
right? We still got it done. You got it done. Your team, I mean, we helped, but y'all were carrying a lot of that weight and the heavy weight. So that was incredible. But we'd like to not be in that situation. I'm sure all of us, right? We not we don't want to have to prove every session that we're capable of something amazing. Uh, and that's to your point, right? Getting those principles out early, those priorities out early, getting them moved. And, and let's have an up or down vote on the floor. And, and I've it. seen that with other caucus chairs in the past. And uh, it's very valuable. That's it. No, no, you're exactly right. And I always like to give uh, Senator Brian Hughes the, the most credit on, on that <laughs> bill, because without him getting a kick started in the Senate, and honestly, without our, our presumptive soon to be speaker feeling uh, working that bill through state affairs so quickly and four prize calendars chair, it was a team effort, but you guys were a huge part of that. But you're right. Uh, that was 11 days of strain and uh, stress. We'd rather not have that. Let's get that bill on the floor April 2nd. Uh, and if something happens and we've got plenty of days to do that, let, let's get those priority bills out early and then get those out of the way and then we can focus on other things but make sure we have that uh, our work done there that's one going to be one of my big priorities uh should i become the caucus chair so this weekend we'll see that there'll be well i don't say we'll see that this is one of the things that's going to happen at the caucus meeting of republican legislators for the state level for the texas house um there'll be a speaker oh, excuse me there'll be a vote to say this is the candidate we want for speaker and i know a lot of there's been a lot of public attention around this already and and members saying that dave Phelan's going to be the one that they're going to select or they're already supporting. But this is, I guess you could say, the official caucus vote on this. And then uh, assuming that's how it goes, that uh, Dade Phelan uh, comes out of that and that's the ex expectation, he then goes to the floor. Republicans are united, um, have agreed that's who they will cast their vote for, which there are 83 of them. So that's more than a majority and should be enough. And then during this meeting, and I, and I imagine there may be other things, but one of the key things is there'll be a vote on caucus chair uh, this weekend. That's right. And, and one thing uh, the presumptive soon to be speaker, uh, Dave Phelan, has said since we started talking with him, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm there to call the balls and strikes. I'm not there to mandate or force a certain policy agenda. I know some people wish he would be a little more proactive, but honestly, I like that approach better. I don't want the speaker being powerful enough to get every bill I want to on the floor because then that's a speaker powerful enough to make sure I don't get any bill that I want to to the floor. Um, and if he really does take that approach and I take him at his word and I think he will do that, then it becomes even more important for the caucus to be proactive to be aggressive and to be pushing these priorities because that's where it's going to come and that's how it's going to happen. Uh, well, and another and, reason I'm so excited about those possibilities. Yeah, well, look, and, and here's what I think voters are expecting. The majority of, of, of voters in Texas, they voted for a Republican majority. And so you see the Democrats and the left a lot of times acting like, yeah, well, we lost, we lost the election, but we still need to get, you know, our way or we still need to have a lot of, you know, say or, or, or largely control what happens or hold things up. You know, look, elections have consequences. The Democrats didn't win, and it's not really that close. I mean, 83-67 sometimes can feel close uh, if not everybody's on the House floor. Yeah. But but on, on paper, it shouldn't be all that close, and, and there is a big gap there. And so we'll see how that plays out. But I do think a lot of voters are saying, look, you know, this is uh, what we wanted, and so that's the kind of way things should advance, and the Democrats – you know, have to deal with that, right? I mean, their policies, their messaging failed. That's not what people want. And so uh, for them and, to not- And, and did so with an unprecedented amount of money being spent yeah. in the elections, 53 million. I mean, right. uh, I spent over a million dollars in my one house race and mine was cheaper compared to most of the others. I never dreamed that would happen, but they spent all that money, didn't make any progress. That sends a loud statement to me. We have well, a mandate, and, let's move on it. And some of these issues, we're talking with State Representative Matt Krause from the Fort Worth area. He's running for caucus chair of the Texas House Republican Caucus. That meeting's this weekend. You know, 
I mean, look at some of the policy issues. They're not even that difficult, right? And and not and not to say we're talking about all of them, but some of the ones that you and I interact with a lot. Um, you know, just making sure that churches are on the same footing as quote unquote essential businesses, the government not being able to lock their doors. I mean, I'm hearing from pastors left and right, never again. They will yeah. never close their doors. They did it once or twice. And we're hoping in, in good faith that the local government would, that it'd be temporary. We're almost a year into this. That's not temporary. And so they realize, you know what? Never again. Okay. We're never going to give over the control of the government anyway on these issues again, but we got to make sure we have those things in law, but those should be easy votes, right? But there is a divide there and it matters who you elect and who's going to be representing you. So we're going to see some of this play out. Um, so look, Hey, we're excited for you. Thanks. I'll tell you what, if I had to vote, uh, I'd be voting for you for caucus chair this weekend. So. I, I, I appreciate that. And if I find that, find that Dominion is running our uh, caucus voting pattern, I'll, I'll let you know. Maybe, maybe we can get you in there. But, um, <laughs> right. but no, I, I appreciate that. Um, and, and, and we'll see where the body is. Uh, regardless, no matter who's the caucus chair, we keep telling folks, no matter what the title, who the, who the chair, we all need to be focused as a caucus to make sure we are pushing forward and being aggressive because we did what we set out to do in 2020, which was hold the majority where uh, redistricting is happening. We get that, but that doesn't mean we don't do any of the policy things that we were elected to do as well. So uh, I appreciate the, the support and, and the confidence and we'll see how it plays out. But regardless whether I have that title or not, you can be sure we'll be working together on the issues that we care about the most. Yeah, we look forward to it. And thankful that you're back in the state legislature not that we had a lot of doubt about it but we're glad to be getting a chance to work together with you and your team your great family looking forward to seeing you on january 12th when the legislature opens up how that plays out and we'll continue uh, to look for you for your support for faith family and freedom representative matt kraus has been our guest today on the texas values report god bless you all right we're going to let him peel off of our video and audio and i've got some concluding comments and things i want to talk about because look, there's some big news that we've been involved in and in, uh, in not too far from Representative Krause, all right? Earlier this week, actually, I think it was yesterday, what, I'm losing my days, I think it was Wednesday, the Carol ISD uh, has this cultural competency action plan of some type. It's not necessarily sex education. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to understand what exactly they think they were gonna do with it, but it was a way to put these type of policies at the public school and it was loaded up with a lot of sexual orientation, gender identity, um, not Christian friendly type of policies that really would put a lot of Christian students um, in a bad spot, would likely put them with a target because of their beliefs on sexuality and, and, and this policy really pushing kids to think or, or to promote more of a, a, a different policy when it comes to issues of sexuality. Things that you've heard us talk about before in sex, sex education. We've been opposing this policy from the beginning. We sounded the alarm back in July. We presented testimony in August. We submitted Public Information Act requests because it seemed like something was going on that wasn't right and that there, wasn't a, there was a lack of transparency. Um, because when the first meeting happened, the first meeting, they were ready to pass this after one hearing. And there were members of the school board saying, hey, we, we haven't even looked at this. How are we going to go ahead and vote on it? So they really put push pause and didn't vote to adopt and move it forward. They sent it to sort of a committee to kind of look, take a closer look at it. But it still seemed like in some ways they were still trying to advance it. It, it was really concerning what was going on. But anyway, a lawsuit was filed by a parent in that district. We supported the lawsuit. And the judge ruled this week that it was likely that um, um, a provision of the Texas Open Meetings Act was violated in this process. And so the judge has said that they must cease 
using, advancing, or in any ways implementing or, or having this plan move forward. It's got to stop and after um, while they take a closer look at it. So a huge victory, and it's not, I mean, it's a temporary victory. This whole thing's not over. But to have a court order tell Carol ISD, this is the South Lake Carroll uh, area up there in Dallas-Fort Worth, right around the uh, DFW airport, that they've got to stop. That should be enough to get their attention because we've been saying that for a while. Parents have been saying that and they keep trying to find ways to, to either move it forward or keep it alive. And, um, you know, as we put in our press quote, you know, they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And that's what has to happen. Sometimes the court has to come in, judges have to come in. And sometimes that's the only thing government officials will listen to. And sometimes they still don't listen to that. So we're very encouraged by that. But I also want to mention as we move um, away from Thanksgiving, the Merry Christmas Texas Project, such an important part of the work that we do at Texas Values. And so I wanna make sure that you're aware of this. And I'm gonna to try to put this up on the screen here um, in, the, uh, in the Zoom here in our video, and you can check it out if you're listening on audio, MerryChristmasTexas.com. You can see that. And uh, let me see if I can do my share screen here and let you take out great looking website too, I think. Um, you can see right here, this is a one page really that you can download. It tells you how the law works on this issue. This is based on a state law in the state of Texas from 2013. If you wanna share how your school district's handling this, you can email us, um, whether they're on the naughty or nice list as we like to say every year. And so, but look, our goal is just to make sure that the law is followed. And you know, if students wanna talk about Christmas issues, they're allowed to do it. Um, if you know, teachers wanna say Merry Christmas to each other, it's all here. Um, frequently asked questions. It doesn't require the school district um, to put out Christmas decorations, but it allows it if they are allowed to do other things of that type. And if there's a assignment on the Christmas issue, it allow, or excuse me, on holiday issues, or you know, what are you going to be doing during the break? They can talk about those issues. So we're about to run out of time here on our Texas Values Report. MerryChristmasTexas.com. Pick that up. Check that out. And also, we're at the end of the year, so we need your financial support here at Texas Values. We require, uh, in order to do our work, uh, nonprofit donations. Go to txvalues.org. Make a donation today to help us protect faith, family, and freedom in Texas. We'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.